This is InsureTech Radio. I'm Connor Sweetman. This week's guest is Carl Stanley of Renaissance Re. Carl Stanley is the Technology Ventures Lead at Renaissance Re. Carl has been working in reinsurance since 2009, having spent his career up to that point developing machine vision algorithms for the electronics industry. His experience in reinsurance runs from developing risk modeling, developing analytic systems, pricing casualty reinsurance contracts, financial modeling of complex seeded reinsurance. So Carl has a really deep understanding of risk. In his current role as Technology Ventures Lead, Carl manages Renaissance Re's InsureTech partnerships. The goal being to ensure that Renri's capabilities remain relevant to the market in the future. So this is a new role at Renri, and it's a new function. Carl is the first person to lead it. So I was interested. What was his vision for the role? The vision for having a role like this kind of came from our chief technology officer, our chief risk officer, who between the two of them were covering some of the strategy and forward-facing technology aspects and engaging with InsureTechs. But the reality is that, you know, uh, Blythe and Ian, our CTO and our CRO, they have enough on their plates without all the kind of blocking and tackling required to make these things work and, you know, making the phone calls and being in all the places they need to be. So they wanted to hire somebody to, to t- take over that function. And what I do, it's kind of a slightly split function. So there's an element of it that's corporate VC. Now we do some investing, um, not a huge amount, but we do some. Uh, when companies are strategically aligned with, we want to, with what we want to do, um, we will we will sometimes uh, uh, invest in them, um, and then the other part of it is kind of what I suppose would be more traditionally called innovation, which is about essentially scouting for new technology solutions that can help us improve how we do things internally. So this comes back to something I was talking about earlier on around um, around build versus buy and how Renry would look different if we started in 2019 versus having started in 1993. Um, so in particular, you know, we have, we've spent an enormous amount of money and an enormous number of man hours over the years building up risk and underwriting technical functionality um, for, well, basic things like deal workflow tracking and, uh, you know, pricing and capital management and all of those sort of, or all of those sorts of things. And a lot of that functionality, I think, there are cap- there are now players in the market where some of those fu- some of those features or bits of functionality you could potentially buy from the open market, which just wasn't possible 15, 20 years ago. Um, but mostly what my function is about really, I guess, is about maintaining that connection with the insure tech community to try to help us understand understand the changing demands of the ultimate consumer. So as a reinsurer, our clients are uh, insurance companies, right, brought to us uh, via brokers. So we have strong business relationships with brokers and strong business relationships with insurance companies. But in order for us to be able to service their needs, it helps if we can understand what the needs of their ultimate customers are. And we're in a good position because of the global nature of reinsurance. We have a lot of exposure to lots of different markets and we can see what's happening in all sorts of different places which may not be as easy for the actual insurers themselves so it's a little bit easier for us to kind of see trends or see commonalities between different areas and go okay well actually maybe 
you know, whatever, automotive telematics will be a big thing, which it definitely is already a big thing, but might not have been obvious uh, a few years ago. Um, and those sort of things. So a big part of it is, yeah, helping Renry develop the capability to stay connected to the changing needs and changing demands of our ultimate customers to help us kind of get ahead of that and to change our systems and our business practices and our lines of business and our capabilities to be able to meet those needs. What does, I suppose, uh, I think everyone can appreciate, I suppose, the theory, but actually putting it into practice, like like first day in the job, like what, what, what do you do? Yeah, so the innovation thing is, or the innovation side of it, it's interesting because it's kind of a, it's a bit open-ended, you know, it's it's not really clear what you're supposed to do. So the very first thing you do, the very first thing I did when I came here is I got involved in a lot of activities, right? So um, I didn't refuse any phone calls. Um, I went to a lot of meetings, I went to a lot of conferences, I met a lot of people. Um, not with any particular end in mind, just kind of out to, just to survey the landscape and to kind of figure out, okay, uh what are people doing out there? Also, part of it was I had to make sure I was up to speed on what we were doing internally and what our strategy was. And then the job becomes, okay, I know internally what our strategy is and you know where we think we need to be over the next year, two years, five years. I also know there are people out in the market that are doing these things and you know, technology A, B, or C, like for instance, uh, I've already spoken about blockchain we've done some work on that so we think blockchain may be useful for this reason these are the blockchain capabilities that are out there now these are the developing capabilities that may be there in a year's time so then the question becomes okay do we move on this now or do we wait and an interesting thing about the insurance business is nobody wants to move first um and i think you know there are good reasons for that i think to to do with the to do with the cost of making a mistake because mistakes can be costly and it can be quite difficult to unwind your position. It's not like a... It can take a while to realize. Yeah, it can take a while to realize it, exactly. So, you know, you, you may not find out for a number of years that your book is in one particular line or whatever, is, or geography is running hot. And then by the time you fix it, it could be another couple of years have gone by. And so for those reasons, people are understandably hesitant to jump into new things. It's much easier to, uh, you know, to let somebody else make the mistakes and blaze the trail and follow them. So that's what everybody wants to do. Now, of course, you can see the obvious paradox, right? If, if, if everybody does that, nothing ever happens. Um, so part of, you know, part of what I have been doing is there's, uh, I suppose there's almost like an executive education part of it because, you know, everybody reads the press and they understand what's going on. And, you know, you hear people talking about oh, blockchain or drones or robotic process automation or artificial intelligence and, a big part of what I do is to try to figure out if I take those themes and think about what our strategy is, how do those themes fit the strategy and where can we use them? What's the best part of the the value chain of things that we do that different technologies can be applied to? Um, probably the most useful thing that I've done, or probably the most useful thing that I do is I go, we're not ready to look at this yet. Either because the technology is not mature or we're not mature. Our platforms, our processes are not capable of dealing with it. So, it helps us prioritize what we want to do. So instead of, you know, instead of going, I don't know, we're going to build a blockchain-based digital auction platform. Right? I mean, we could do that, um, but we're not going to do it because there's other things that we can do that will have a better reward for us for less effort. Mm. Um, and 
I think that like, and so back to your original question about what is the vision for this function and what is the vision for this role? I think the concern is that if we didn't have a role like this, that we would find ourselves, we would either find ourselves doing nothing uh, in the technology space, and you can't do that because technology changes all the time, and you'll eventually you'll eventually get devoured if you, if you don't. Um, you know, there's so many examples: Blockbuster versus Netflix, and all that kind of stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. So I don't need to point that out to people. Um, but the other the other risk, of course, is the opposite risk that you kind of get blown by the wind, and you're like, oh, everybody's you know everybody's doing a whole bunch of stuff with whatever like say blockchain or everybody's doing a whole lot of stuff with satellite imagery we've got to bail into that well maybe you do maybe you don't and it is important to you know think about what your strategic goals are to think about where the where are the levers you can pull that change your top line and you know change all the things that happen inside your organization and affect your bottom line and what is the most impactful thing that you can you can change in in, in the short term so insure tech and technology can help you in two in two main ways the most obvious way um, is in cost savings, right? So you can automate your processes. So you can maybe automate your claims or whatever, uh, automate your submission process to an extent so you, you don't have to have as many people doing it. Um, those things are relatively, like for a company like ours, they're relatively low value. Um, Renry has a large balance sheet and a small number of people. So those sorts of efficiency plays unfortunately yield a little bit less juice than they might in other places and um, so that's one but that's one whole you know uh one whole area of the map full of easy wins that i just don't have access to which yep. sucks for me so i gotta go find something else right so um the other way that you can really get uh, advantages out of technology is by using it to help you either open new markets or change the way you price things or change the way you manage your capital or um, change the way you distribute things. So one of the things that we're, we've been kind of, we, we think about is instead of describing ourselves, like instead of describing what we do as, I guess, hmm, like instead of thinking of thinking of things in such black and term, black and white terms, like we have, Insurance companies need a layoff risk and they go talk to a broker and the broker brings us a portfolio and we write that portfolio. We try to think about our role is to be able to access portfolios of aggregated risk in whatever form they take. Mm. So, um, and be able to analyze them and price them and roll them up together. So, and we've seen that in the changes, uh, we've seen the way in Renry, we've changed that in terms of the lines of business we've been writing. You know, we've gone from being pretty much uh, entirely property to being split between property and casualty. And now we have a, a small uh, small life business. Um, and this all speaks to that strategy of being able to, if we can find attractive portfolios of risk, regardless of the form they take, um and we can understand that risk and get our heads around it and put some solid quantitative modeling behind it. Um, we're, we're happy to write that. And the insure tech piece really helps with that. Really excited about that. We're all going to bail into that. And it's not necessarily clear what the business benefit is. Um, and I, I think, well, the, like the, I suppose the blockchain one was, an, was unusual in that it had, um, 
two things happened at the same time. One was that, um, you know, the technology around distributed ledgers and uh, shared state databases, blockchains, you know, became understood. Um, but at the same time, there was a speculative bubble in cryptocurrencies. And because it was a speculative bubble in crypto- cryptocurrencies and a bunch of people made a bunch of money out of it, um, that generates a load of interest. And so suddenly blockchain is the solution to everything. Um, and as it turns out, blockchain is a solution to a well-defined set of problems, you know, where there are, there's a need for shared data that's consistent between people and where there's no trust and where there's, well, I say there's no trust, but where it's like, you know, there's a... Um, creates trust in a way. Yeah, it kind of creates trust, exactly. Yeah. And where, you, uh, in particular, in a decentralized, sort of decentralized market um, where you can kind of build the the referee into the tools and that's what blockchain is great for and so like insurance there's obvious use cases for blockchain like in particular around uh, exposure management where we have insurers are passing on information you know insurers are taking in detailed information about people's policies and they aggregate that in some way and send that information on to the reinsurers you can definitely it doesn't take a huge leap of imagination to see that there are there's maybe use in blockchain for controlling the governance and provenance of that process. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean that this is necessarily a good time to do it. It doesn't mean there's not, there may be better solutions or other easier to understand, easier to hire for solutions uh, out there right now. Um, so I think the, the the number one rule to get back to the original question was, the number one thing to keep in mind is the business capabilities are what matters and the technology is in support of that. Yeah. Um, which kind of seems, it seems obvious, but it's surprisingly difficult to do. Um, in particular, like when you're, you know, because you have to, when you, you work with the technology team, um, you often get people who are very, you know, technology folks are great. They're often really passionate about what they do. Um, and I think part of my job is to help bring some of our business strategic thinking into the into the into the technology group and also to bring some of our technological thinking into the business right to kind of you know to kind of help bridge that gap um but it can be it can be a real challenge because i think there's there's two sides of this coin about where we have okay so don't don't adopt the technology for the sake of the technology um you know in the same way that everybody's banging on about blockchain now i remember everybody banging on about xml in the 1990s you know, XML is a fundamentally very unexciting technology. I mean, it's important, but it's it's not not that important. Um, so, but I think like the, the yeah, to the technologists, I think the technologists I work with, I think it's important that they. We keep good alignment between the strategic business goals and what the technology people are doing, which can often be hard. It can often be hard for them to see, you know, because a lot of a lot of technology people you hire, I mean, they're not insurance experts, right? They're technology experts. So trying to help them understand the nuances of the insurance business, which is a quite a complex business compared to most, and there's quite a lot going on to make it work, um, can be a challenge. And at the same time, on the business side, um, when you're dealing with underwriters or whatever, um, you know, as we were discussing earlier on, underwriters are quite rightly very deal focused and focused on what it is they're doing right now. Um, 
And sometimes it can be difficult for them to be able to get that space or get that, get that zoomed out view where they're like, okay, well, you know, I'm writing all this business. It requires this number of people to support it. But maybe if I did it in this way or did a little bit less of this and a little bit more of this, we could support the same business with fewer people or we could support more business with the same number of people. Um, so trying to help keep those conversations going, I think is, is quite important. And um, in, in Renry as well, part of it is that our, our, our technology people are not physically located with our underwriters. So, cause our underwriters are dispersed, like they're in Muda, New York, Zurich, uh, London, uh, whereas most of our IT is here in Dublin. Um, so part of my role there is to, to try to help us avoid those mistakes where we think either the technology is the be on and end all or where we think it can't help us. So, um, yeah, so trying to avoid that mistake is a big part of what I do. So that, that would be the number one thing, technology for the sake of it. Um, the other one, I, the other ones though, I suppose are all about, I think patience is very important with a, with any kind of technological transformation because it's not like it doesn't work by me going out with a checkbook and buying a license to some tool and it transforming the business. It just doesn't work that way. Um, a tool can help you transform the business, but there's an awful lot of other work that has to happen from a cultural perspective and from processes and all that sort of stuff. Um, also, so I think, I think that's, that's also important. So that they, um, you have to be patient. You have to realize that technological change. Well, you have to realize that technological change doesn't actually matter. Business capability change matters. Technological change is one strand that will help with that. But there's also a load of other things you need around. Um, you really need buy-in from the right people in the business. So I think if we're trying to, like even fairly, even fairly straightforward things like here, like if, you, if we're using modeling tool A and we want to change to modeling tool B, it's not, you know, it's not enough for me to tell our actuarial team, okay, look, we're not going to be using this. We're going to be using this. Like that's never going to work. Um, what you need to do is first make sure you have good executive support. Make sure you've built a case so that, you know, you go in when you speak to the, the C-suite folks, you can understand, okay, this is the current tool chain we're using, or this is the current process we use to do this. This is a new proposed process. These are the costs, these are the benefits, et cetera. Try to get some of that worked out in advance so you can get executive support. Then once you've gotten the executive support, then you actually have to go and try to build up enthusiasm among the people who are going to be using this thing so that ultimately, if you do it right, they're selling it to you. That's kind of what you want. So it's, it's a slightly strange one because um, I think... I think kind of like a purely top-down management imposing tools and processes on people doesn't really work all that well. Yeah. If you want to have empowered employees, it's, it's, it's difficult, right? But at the same time, a purely bottom-up approach doesn't work that well either because the, with the bottom-up approach, I think the, it's just hard to get the right perspective to understand what the most important tool is. So you end up with... Just going after everything shiny. Yeah. yeah. And you end up with like really niche point solutions for things as opposed to like, okay, so instead of using this thing to manage border rows in London and this thing to manage border rows in Bermuda, I mean, surely we should be using the same tool. But the Bermuda guy loves this feature that's in this tool and the London guy loves the thing that's in this feature that's in this tool. So how do you break that deadlock? So that can be that can be a bit of a challenge. So I think having somebody... So a, another kind of lesson that I think is important for uh, insurers 
uh, or for any any company with a technological aspect to it is it is important to have somebody helping drive technology strategy who is not in the weeds and um, because it can be just very difficult to know where are the right places to apply leverage if you're yeah. in the weeds you need to have a little bit of, a little bit of distance um so i think now obviously i would say that right because if, if 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 i didn't think that was the case they they'd fire me <laughs> but anyway um yeah so technology for technology's sake making sure you think about it strategically and that you get buy in from the top you know from from the high ups and from the people who are actually the practitioners on the ground i think that's that's also really important having the patience to let your changes flow through and to realize that everything is a process um and insurance is interesting as well because it's a relatively like it's seasonal well for for reinsurance is definitely seasonal um you know we're very busy around january renewals and again in uh April and again in June and then you know there's quieter areas at other times of the year um, uh, so I think a lot of the time when you make changes you won't necessarily see the impact until 12 months and 12 months down the line right because it's uh, I want to fix something that you know we had some operational problems in our renewals during December well it's too late to fix it then but you can try to get something in place for the following December Um so yeah so patience is uh, is number two because uh, you, you can't really just effect, uh, expect to, to, to change things uh, that, that quickly um, other mistakes that people make I think the fundamental one and it relates to it relates to the first thing is you need to you need to work out how how pursuing or adopting a given technology is going to further your strategy and to be able to do that, you need to have a well-worked-out strategy. And working out strategy is it's quite difficult. Um, I, I think we're very, we're very lucky in Renry that we have some very powerful strategic thinkers in, in, in key positions here. So it means that we we work really hard not to get surprised by new developments. You know, I think if something happens and we're surprised by it, if something happens like in the, in the industry and we're surprised by it, uh, we would normally consider that to be a bad outcome. Like, I mean, obviously events happen, right? Because it's the insurance, so events happen. But I think in terms of kind of emerging technologies or trends or secular changes, like we put in a lot of effort to try to stay ahead of that and try to understand um, you know, where the world is going and, where demand is going and you know what would we do if interest rates went up uh, overnight and blah 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 working all these sorts of things out mm. and working them out in some detail right so uh, I mean um, you know not just sort of back of the envelope stuff but actually running pro formas and you know uh, using our modeling capability to run our balance sheet through different scenarios as to how we think the industry might work out and like the, the you know the, the world may not go that way, but the, the process of going through that is very useful for helping you understand what the upside downside is. And I think if you haven't got a strategy well worked out, you are going to chase your tail. So the very first thing I think you need to do is to get your strategy worked out and figure out, okay, what do we want to do? You know, um, uh, do we want to, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I suppose just knowing what your strategy is, uh, cause I don't, 
will prevent you from using technology for the sake of it. Yeah. You know, because you're constantly looking at it through a particular lens and you're not trying to fit a square peg into a round, round hole. hole. Exactly. Yeah. I think, though, as well, the other thing, like, and maybe these are more technology than business, I'm not sure, but there's like, you definitely can't, or I, you definitely can't afford to do nothing. You can't do nothing because the world is moving so quickly um, that, you know, there's only, if you, if you don't constantly kind of renew your technological capabilities, you are really going to struggle with, among other things, you're going to struggle with hiring people. You're going to struggle with, like, nobody wants to work on your 20-year-old WinForm application. Um, so while it may be a pain to fit an API to that back end and to have some kind of web interface to it, if you don't do that, you may struggle to find people to maintain your software in the future. Um, and also, you know, I think doing nothing... Like it's, it's, it, I, I think it is, yeah, I think for, for larger insurers in particular, like, uh, I, I think you really do need to stay, stay ahead of things to an extent. I mean, I don't think you need to necessarily march in and implement loads of new technology at once, but understanding what the impacts would be if we went, okay, we want to move everything into the cloud. Understanding how that would work is important. You don't necessarily have to do it, but you need to have a good case as to why you did or not did, did not do that. Because I think uh, just doing things the way they are because they've always been done that way will will end badly for you. And we've, you know, in Renry, we've done all sorts of, we've done some pretty major transformations over, over the years um, in terms of moving our data centers from, you know, when we were originally, we originally had most of our data centers in Bermuda and now they're not there, they're in Europe. And, um which is, you know, that's the kind of thing you do for numerous reasons. One is just cost and one is just for giving you capabilities in the future and all that sort of stuff. So um, that was driven by a, you know, that was driven by a strategic imperative about kind of growing growing our capabilities and it wasn't going to be physically possible to do it where we were, so we had to move and blah, blah, blah. And um, so trying to think about those strategic things is, is so important. Um, so what else is there? Yeah, I think they would be the things that I would think are most important. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, we might leave it at that. Yeah. Um, have you any parting words for the audience? <laughs> um, God, difficult. Let me see. Um, I would say... I would encourage a lot of people to look into a career insurance person. Um, it has the advantage of being socially useful, if that matters to you. Uh, there's plenty of, like, there's plenty of, you know, uh, well compensated work. There's loads of interesting problems, um, and I suspect that this industry is going to go through massive transformation over the next ten to twenty years, in the same way that retail and banking have done over the last twenty years. Um, it's slower to move than other industries because of uh, regulation is a bar to competition. So it just means that truly disruptive things just don't really 
happen uh, as quickly as they might. And that's a good thing, you know, for the end consumer. I mean, uh, it's been a long time. Well, not long enough. It's been a while since an insurance company's collapsed, you know, in the Western world. Um, but that's not a given, you know. I mean, that that's a, that doesn't happen by accident. That happens because of all of this regulation. Um, but the insurance industry has been pretty. It's been pretty good to me. I've always found really interesting work, interesting people, um, solving problems that are actually you know that really help people. Uh, and that's kind of one of the things that I really like about it. I mean, it, it it can be a little bit odd because when you deal with catastrophe insurance, like you know, terrible things happen. I mean, I remember, I vividly remember, I was in Bermuda that day when the Tohoku earthquake happened, or the Tohoku. Uh, undersea earthquake happened on the the tsunami that happened in 2011 in japan and like it's an awful tragedy to watch happening but at the same time at least there's you can take some pride in the fact that you know the company i work for wrote a massive check to cover its liabilities to help rebuild that country um, and to help you know help people maintain their resilience uh, in the face of you know, well, Japan is exposed to a massive ocean and seismic activity, and it's really great that they're able to keep going after something like that happens, after all these kind of terrible tragedies happen. And for me, that is genuinely one of the reasons why I'm in this business. You know, there's lots of other things I could be doing. Um, but, I mean, frankly, the idea of using my brain and my talents and my education to find more efficient ways to sell ads on the Internet is not really something I'm interested in. I would rather do something that actually I feel helps the world um, and insurance you know it's not quite the same as being a you know a brain surgeon or <laughs> you know saving babies um, uh, of the third world but I think it does have a social function it is useful yeah. um, and it, there's loads of good careers and you know um, nice people and challenging problems so Great place to end. Uh, where can people find uh, you online and more more about uh, Renry? Um, okay, well, you can find Renry online, Renaissance Re. You can just Google that and you'll get to our, our website. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's uh, Carl Stanley. I'm LinkedIn, you know, whatever, forward slash Carl Stanley. Um, and if you need to email me, you can email me at kjs at renry, R-E-N-R-E dot com. Cool. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers.